good to be in here. It's good to be around brothers and sisters. It's good to be able to worship and praise and sing. We'll praise the name of the Lord our God forever and ever and ever. We'll get to do that for all of eternity one of these days. But until then, we just get to do it around one another. We get to do it in the confines of buildings and with instruments the way we have them. But one of these days, we're going to worship God and, and just, just right there with Him. It's going to be awesome. God gives us glimpses. God lets us just see a little bit of it. And we are, we are blessed. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me over to Second Peter. Second Peter. We were there last Sunday, and uh, we're just going to somewhat continue on this morning. We, I want you to pay attention. I want you to listen. I know you always do, but I want you to pay attention because this is one of those, if you, if you look at the title of it, Shining for Tomorrow. We're living today for what God wants to do in the future. God is using us. God is, is using us every single day of our lives to go out into the world and impact not just the group that we're around at the moment, but to impact people for a very, very long time. We're talking maybe legacy stuff. We're talking, we're talking long term, way after we're gone. You know, um, it seems like every time you turn around nowadays, some people are dying. Uh, Facebook is, is covered with people that we know. I, I got a call this past week that a family member of mine passed away. And it just happens. Life is, life is, is cruel sometimes. And, and the families are left to continue. And that's what we do is we continue. Uh, but think about Think about your life. Your life ends. Your life ends now. What is, what is the impact that your life is having, not just on those around you today, but on those that you will be around that have known you, that way, way on out into the future? That's what we're going to be talking about today. And You know, for, for many, for some, you may say, well, I know this stuff, especially we're going to, just, let's just rehash last week, you know, let's rehash last week. Look up at verse, start at verse 2, let's just read it. First group didn't get to read it. I'm going to read it. I sort of paraphrased it for the first group. I'm going to read it to y'all. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Brand new, look at verse 11. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly 
supplied to you. Here we look at these. It's almost like stair steps or a ladder. It's like moral excellence. And, and in your moral excellence and you trying to be good and trying to do the things. We're not being good to earn salvation. We're being good because of salvation. Christ saved us so that we could be good. The Bible says there's no unrighteous, no not one. There's none who seeks God. There's no one who hungers for God. We've all messed up. We all have turned aside. We're all chasing our own selves. But God, when He gives us His Spirit, when you and I trust Christ as our Lord and Savior, when He pursues us and He makes us His very own and He, and he, and he gives us His Spirit who dwells inside of us, then we can do good. Moral excellence is possible when the Spirit of God moves, those radars go off. You know you shouldn't. You know you ought not. You don't need to say that. You don't need to think that. You don't need to go there. You, this is not who you are anymore. And all of those radars are going off. Praise God, the Holy Spirit is there. And moral excellence comes knowledge. And knowledge was not, it, it's getting deeper in each one of these we go deeper and deeper, and we want to please God with our lives. We want to please God with everything that we have, with all that we are. We want to, we want to shine today in such a way that the world around us sees us. I've talked about it. I don't know if you're catching us a theme. I mean, people are watching you. No, you may not be on a platform on a Sunday morning, but you have a platform. Your life is a platform on display for all those that are around you. Whether they're at school or work or they're your family. Whoever they are, they see you. And how you act matters. We can't just go and be what we want to be. We've got to be who He saved you to be. And you know these things. You've known them. Because that's how you were taught. It's what you were trained as a Christian. My prayer is that every one of you in this room is a believer. I ask the simple question. And every person has to deal with this question. If you died today, where would you spend eternity? Why? Every person comes up with an answer. Every person has a rebuttal. Every person can say, well, this is why. If you're wise because I'm good, if you're wise because I've done certain things, if you're wise is I'm not as bad as him, if you're wise, anything other than Jesus. The choir saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And you know, our flesh sits there and thinks, how many more times are they going to say Jesus? Can you imagine eternity? Where would we be without him? Where would we be without Christ? Where how lost would we be? That's my answer. I would be hopeless. I am nothing. I am, as, I am wretched. I deserve hell. I deserve eternal separation from a holy and righteous God. I deserve forever and ever. I deserve where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I deserve where the worm never dies. I deserve no hope. That's what I deserve. That's what we all deserve because of even one sin. And how many have we sinned? How many times? Have we had to run to the Father again and again and again and again? Praise God for His mercy. We know this. We know this. We know this Word. We know the truth. We know what God desires from us. His Spirit is inside of us. 
this book, it's not like reading a foreign book. It's to me personally, and I, I can apply it to my life, and you can apply it to your lives. It's not something that, that is foreign. No, it's me. I can, I can see me in, in Christ's love and God's story of redemption for me. And I, I, don't, I don't belong in it, but I see it. And I know this. We get down to verse 12. Peter was writing this. Peter wrote two. He wrote 1 Peter. 1 Peter, was, 1 Peter was written to the persecuted church. They were being persecuted. 2 Peter was basically written to encourage those to stand against false prophets. False teachings and heresies and things. And He says in these next few verses something that's very powerful. Something that's very important. It's where this comes from. Uh, one of the hardest things for me is the title. Like, what do you call these things? I mean, they, they want a title, so and they make beautiful titles. I didn't draw that. They they make that beautiful like that. Shining for tomorrow. You know, most people don't think about it. Our flesh, we live for the day. We live for the moment. We live for me. I don't care. Think about think about your funeral. In in seminary, I had to. I had to write my funeral. Have you ever had to write your funeral? I had to write my funeral out. I had to do the whole thing. Um, I had to say what was going to be said. I had to write the words. I had to pick the songs. I had to draw my tombstone. and I had to do it all. And it's interesting when you stop and have to think about your funeral. And, and for most people, their funeral is where it stops. You know, for most people, that's where it all ends. And you ask the question, well, what about, let's say you die today. Boom, you're dead. You didn't expect to die this morning, did you? But imagine you're dead. What, what, what are we going to say about you? What's said? Here's what normally happens. Normally, you have a funeral, and, and, and people die, and we, we come in, and, and there are certain things. I mean, honestly, I'm just being straight honest with you. There's certain verses you kind of go to. You got the 23rd Psalms, you got John 14, you got some Psalms, and you got some Corinthians that you may read. I mean, we try our absolute best, but at the end of the day, it's just a guy that knew you for a certain amount of time, months to many years, that stands over you, and those very kind men in the suits at the back when it's all the music stops and they come and they take your body and they haul you out and they put you in, a, in the back of a hearse and we go to a graveside. And the graveside's pretty simple too. It's, if it's two of us, it's like, you, know what, you want to know really what happens? If it's two of them, it's like, hey, well, are you going to read or am I going to read? It's not rocket science. Hey, are you going to read or am I going to read? Hey, I'll read, you pray. You read, I pray. One reads a verse, one prays, and, and then that's it. And you know, for a lot of people, that's, that's it. And they don't think no further. I'm gone, I got heaven, I got my, my, got my cabin in the corner of glory land, and I'm happy and I'm good. And, and this whole tomorrow thing, like, what are you talking about, preacher? This shining for tomorrow. Listen, if I die today, I got my, I got my heaven and I got Jesus. And What in the world does it matter? What happens tomorrow? Guys, our influence goes into tomorrow. L look at verse 12. And many of you know this. 
Peter understands it. He says, therefore, I'll always be ready to remind you of these things. Talking about, talking about the moral excellence and knowledge and the self-control and the perseverance and godliness, the brotherly kindness and the love, and how these things are to be yours. These are to be what is, honestly, guys, these are to be what should be. This should be what's named over us at our funeral. That's, these are the things that should be named over us at our funeral. And Peter says, I, Therefore, I'll always be ready to remind you of all these things, even though, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. You know this stuff. You've got the Holy Spirit, and He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's, he's entrusted us with His Spirit, and He's given us, he's, he's led us and guided us. He's given us His Word, His Spirit. We know we ought to live by this book. Know this. He even goes so far as to look at verse 13. He says, I consider it right as long as I'm, as long as I'm, in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, just to shake you up a little bit. You say, preacher, why do you keep saying the same thing? Like, isn't there a different story? That's right, just kind of shake you up and spur you along. It's kind of, it's kind of okay to, to take you out back and just kind of act right. Not as many kids. I'm not staring as many kids. I had a couple of kids staring at me earlier. This morning there's two right over there and then a couple right here. And Avery's he's he's getting bigger. But you know, isn't it amazing how when they're kids, we have to tell them, we have to say, look, don't don't touch electricity. Don't stick your fingers in the light sockets. You know, as kids, you know, when I was a kid, they didn't have those little plastic covers. You just wondered what was in there and you stuck your tongue or your fingers or whatever would go in there in there. And what did mama do back in the day? Nah, no, no. No, no. You had to be trained, didn't you? Get a little older, hot, no touch, no, 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 no. And then you touch, you go, ah, no, no. I was a kid, I think four or five, I don't even remember. I, I reached up, they're doing something up there on top of that oven, so I just reached up and put my hands right on the two eyes and burnt my hands half in two. It was bad. I had to learn the hard way. But we tell our kids, no, don't go there. Don't say that. Don't touch that. Don't think that way. Don't be that way. Let me ask you, big people, when did that stop? Hmm. Isn't it amazing, big people? That it's okay to say no for you, but me, I can do whatever. We beat the me out of we beat the meism out of kids. We beat the meism out of kids, but when it comes to me, I can do whatever I want to do. I can think I, you ain't gonna tell me how to live, preacher. I ain't got to. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You know this. You can't tell me how to act. I don't have to. You know how to act. You can't tell me where I can and cannot go. I don't have to. You know. Spirit of God inside of you, those radars go off when you're there and you're around it. Look, you know what I mean. You know when, you, you know when you're sitting around and, and take a person... I mean, any person. A person, he can't help it, but you just hear everybody else. They're just dogging that person. They're just, they're just 
the whole group, the whole group you're running with, everybody's just blasting that one guy, and your spirit's like, that's wrong. You know what I mean? You can't tell me what friends to pick, preacher. You can't tell me that. I'm not. But it matters. Because we represent Christ. Peter says, Peter says, I'll always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. Verse 13, I consider it right as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling to, to stir you up by way of reminder. Look at verse 14. Knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. He said, as, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Remember after Peter denied Jesus three times, he went off and wept bitterly. And Jesus was crucified, buried in a tomb. Three days later, rose again. And he's on the seashore cooking breakfast that morning. And the guys are out fishing. Remember the conversation, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Jesus to Peter. Jesus looks at Peter and tells him basically how he was going to die there in John 21. So he already knew it. We don't, we don't know the time here. We don't know exactly the time exactly here. But Peter, Peter's laying it on the line to the people. He's like, look, I, I'm just laying it out there for you. I'm just, I, I just know this is what I ought to do. And look at verse 16. Verse 16. Verse 16 is important. It's kind, of the, it's kind of the heart of the message. Verse 16. You know, because most people, for most people, it's, it's here and now. If we're not careful, we allow our me-ism, our me-centric, I, I, and here's the deal. When me don't get my way, me gonna hurt you. When me don't get my way or you don't make me special, me go get even with you. Because we, me just mean. That's, that's sin. That's sin. That's wrong. You know that's wrong. You know it. You absolutely know it. It's not who you are. It's not who He saved you to be. He didn't save you to continue down that. He saves you to be different. He saves you out of that. Shining for tomorrow comes from verse 16. It says this, I'll always be diligent. Guys, you want to see revival happen at Chapel Hill? I haven't said that in several weeks. A couple of months now I haven't referenced that. I don't just say it because, hey, that's a cool preachery thing. No, you want to see revival happen at Chapel Hill? You want to see revival happen in your life? You want to see revival happen in your home, in your marriage, at your school? You want to see revival happen in your group? Look at verse 16. He says, I'll be diligent that at any time after my departing. Think about that. I'm going to live my life today in such a way so that at any time after I'm gone, you'll remember it. I'm going to live today so bright and so influential and so on fire for the one who saved me. I am going to represent Christ in such a way that at any time after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. 
Guys, that makes how we live so much more important. Yeah, that, that brings up the legacy conversation. That brings up the that brings up the influence. That brings up the how we what we're passing to the, to those around us, the generational stuff, that baton thing. Peter was like, I am going to live diligently. I'll also be diligent that at any time after my departing, you'll, you'll know what, when God's given me everything pertaining to life and godliness, and He's, and he's given me a spirit as a promise. And I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be constantly fighting this this battle of surrender. There's a constant battle of surrender that takes place every single day of our lives that we wake up. I surrender my will to His. I surrender my will to His. He is Lord and I am not. And I bow down to His Lordship. Every single day, you and I wake up that battle do we listen to the fallenness of the flesh that wants one thing and that is me to be the center of the world me to have the best everybody to like me everybody to thank me everybody to pat me on the back me to be seen me to be heard me 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 let me remind you they killed your savior Let me say that again. They killed your Savior. Okay? We're to have that mind. We're to have the mind of Christ, who although He was God and He could have called down legions, He could have spoken, He didn't need angels. He could have said, forget this. He humbled Himself to the point of death, even death on a sinner's cross. And who in the world are we in our fallen arrogance to think that we deserve anything better than Christ got. They killed him. So when we get on this power trip and me trip and I'm somebody trip, I forget whose I am. I forget why I'm here. I forget what he saved me for. We live our lives in such a way that those around us see Christ they see the spirit of God in the flesh living through us that's how revival happens that's how transformation in a, in a group of people happens Peter was like look I'm going to be diligent I'm going to be diligent that at any moment after I'm gone Verse 12, therefore, I'll always be ready to remind you. Listen, while I'm here, I'm going to do everything I can. But, I mean, that just takes it so far and beyond anything we think about. Living in such a way today, shining in such a way today, Representing Christ in such a way today. 
But those around me will always know what God desires. That's influence. That's influence. That's an ambassador. An ambassador is a spokesperson for the king. We're heralds. We're spokesmen. What is coming out of us? No, like I said it earlier, no, you're not on this platform. And some of you never stand in front of hundreds a day or ever. But you're on a platform. You're on a podium. You're on a your own display for somebody. Let me ask you, that funeral, that, that mock funeral, remember? All right, you're back alive. Remember? I killed you earlier. Those that are watching you right now, what are they seeing? Are you being diligent so that any moment after you, They'll know the truth. So are you being diligent? And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. I can't water down the standard. Sorry. I can't water down the standard that God desires for us. Say, preacher, you make it too is is who can who can reach it? I don't think that's. I don't think reaching it is the goal. I just think doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing today to honor Him is all that any of us can do. And for, just imagine, that's where revival happens. That's where amazing things happen. 150 plus people in this room right here. Imagine 150 plus people waking up every single day of their life. Surrendering in that battle and saying, Lord, I will not be God today. You are Lord. And surrendering moment by moment throughout that day, living in obedience all through that day. And trusting God with the results, trusting God with the outcome, trusting God with all those things that are absolutely out of our control. Shining for tomorrow is the one thing that's in our control. That's being diligent. Father God, I... I come to you right now on behalf of, of me. Lord, I'm a mess up. I'm a mess. We're all a mess. But Lord, there's people watching all of us. If people see each one of us, Lord. God in heaven right now, I say forgive us, Lord. Forgive us of our... Lord, we've wasted a lot of time. We've wasted many years, Lord. We've wasted so much energy and effort climbing corporate ladders and social ladders and becoming influential and being on boards and having our names on 
things that, God, when we die, they're just going to print more new labels. God, forgive us for pursuing and being diligent in pursuing things that are fleeting. Forgive us, God, for wasting our lives and our time and our energy and our effort on things that do not matter. God, forgive us. We repent, Lord. God, help us. Help us. Walk in obedience to you. In Jesus' name.